History 101. What's up, everybody, and welcome to Gaming History 101, the Retro Video Games Podcast. I am one of your hosts. My name is Fred Rojas, and joining me today from a train just outside of Raccoon City is Mr. Jam Elias. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great, good, Fred. But one thing I can say for sure is that the train, at least in Resident Evil Zero, runs a lot faster than the trains go to London these days. So oh, hey. That's just a snap. UK joke. But. A little, little UK <laughs> joke up in there. I have never ridden a train in London, but uh, now I look forward to not doing it. Uh, and I know I will inevitably. But also joining us uh, direct from a endless truck route straight out of Silent Hill is none other than Mr. Voss. How are you doing? I'm here. Welcome to being here. Uh, of course, we thank you yet again for coming on. You are somewhat of our resident Silent Hill expert. Um, you definitely have context for everything and have a very good grasp on a very convoluted tale, or at least one for that's hard for me to wrap my head around. Maybe it's because I got into it so late in my gaming life. I don't Possibly. Know. I don't know, but, uh, but you, you, you dig the Silent Hill, I guess is what I would say. <laughs> yes, so, many years now. So that's good. That's good. Um, uh, a lot of people say Silent Hill, uh, or I've heard a lot of people say that Silent Hill is like the, uh, the more, uh, the better storytelling and more, uh, shall I say, a sophisticated version of survival horror. So whether that's true or not, uh, I guess wine connoisseurs. Game. That's right. Yes, that's your sommelier version. But uh, anyway, so well, welcome. Thank you for joining us yet again on what is one of our most popular series. So um, <clears throat> this is, of course, I'm referring to the Silent Hill uh, uh, series of of podcasts, and uh, we'll get into it in this show. But it is appropriately going to be named Silent Hill Zero. Mm-hmm. So. Yes, so, uh, and we will finally get to flesh out on the flip side of that, my hatred towards Resident Evil Zero, and you'll also (laughs) figure out that I don't hate this game quite as much as I may lead on. Really? Yeah, no, Mm. I don't hate it. I'm just very hard on it. I'm just like a like a disappointed parent, I guess I would say. But you know, any, anyway, we, we will get into that. Yeah, we will just get into <laughs> that. But uh, before we do any of that, uh, Jam, do we have a sponsor have- lurking in the shadows here tonight? We do have a sponsor. This uh, Our sponsor this week is uh, the fantastic trio over at Knuckleball Radio with Freeman, Normie, and Sodoom. Um, those those colorful characters, they are on every Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on, obviously, allgames.com. Yes, they occupying the old uh, B-team time slot. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, Yeah, if you've never listened to it, it is exactly what it sounds like. Uh, they basically start a discussion on a theme, and then they start throwing knuckleballs at each other, uh, which in <laughs> baseball means something out of left field, which uh, you know, on their show means it's just tangential conversations. Uh, I've been on a few myself, and I've done things like eating crickets and... Uh, had those jelly bellies that either taste like yummy, yummy candy or vomit. It's fantastic. They're called Bean Boozled. So anyway, they're on Thursday nights. Always a fun show. Definitely check them out. So, um, Okay. Uh, announcements? <clears throat> yes, we do. We did not have any uh, listener mail, which is fine. That's perfectly fine. Um, and uh, we did not have any 
comments per se. Um, did have one thing. Let me pull it up real quick. Uh, Nameless Unknown is a listener over on, or a viewer, shall I say, over on the YouTube channel. Uh, that's double X, Nameless Unknown, double X. Uh, and uh, he sat back and watched the entire Michigan series uh, oh, that wow. I had that's done. Yeah, and he seemed that. to be enjoying it. <laughs> and uh, we ended up into a huge conversation about... Uh, uh, on the on the comments about survival horror and things like that, and uh, he heavily recommended Extermination or Exterminator. What was your uh, uh, Extermination obscura? is the PS2 game? Yes, yeah, your, your uh, yeah that one. So uh, he recommended I give that a go. So maybe I shall. <laughs> That's an interesting kind of recommendation after watching Michigan, though, because they're very different. Just just my, my opinion. Actually, I think it. we got into a topic of just oh, like okay. survival yeah. horror on the PS2. Mm. And he said, oh, well, have you tried this? And I said, you know, that came as a recommendation from somebody else. So uh, even offered to send me a copy, which is very kind of him. Oh, but, it's uh, very cheap. You can find that. It well, that's yeah, I think I bought it at GameStop like two years ago for two bucks. Yeah. Right. Well, and aside from that, the one thing I definitely want to push out there is even though we're not really for profit and whatnot, we do have a Patreon going, which there will be some news about that coming up. And we are a site that is kind of, we're not geared around any sort of business practices or whatnot, but we do gain a lot of the perks of being a website like that. And for that reason, um, while it's very kind, I often try to stray away from gifts because the participation is really what we're looking for. And I really don't want people to part with games, no matter how important or unimportant they think they may be. Um, and I will definitely take it upon myself to go out and pick these games up. So I'm pretty sure it's at your mom and pop store. Uh, mom and pop store, Fred. <laughs> I'm sure it will be. Um, and, but I just wanted him to know that's a very kind gesture. Uh, yeah. And I'm not turning it down because I'm above Absolutely. it or I'm not going to do it. It's for that reason. Um, but uh, also, if you play this game, Fred, you have to do a stream of it with the commentary on. <laughs> just well, want to hear your opinions of the voice acting. <laughs> and again, I'll just touch this and go uh, with uh, a total of one view on the commentary-free Tomb Raider <laughs> stuff, and it was me viewing my own shit to see if it worked. Um, I don't think I'm going to do commentary-free. It's a lot of work to do those mm. uh, commentary-free because basically I have to re-render a four-hour render with uh the the commentary muted it's not a problem but since no one's really watching it i think the person who said they wanted commentary off was trying to play or watch me play through snatcher or or police nuts and pretend they themselves were playing and it was difficult <laughs> with all my snarky commentary in the background yeah. and while i totally get that dude like those are the emulation staples these days like you can play it yourself so i don't think i'm gonna go commentary free anymore i think people predominantly the only thing i have to offer is my commentary and especially when you see me get stuck is that part so um so that's what i'm going to do i've also decided to stop commentary or doing recordings of the game clubs i'm sorry i know some of you like to watch them but they are a big hassle and they're pulling me away from other projects you all want me to do like oh i don't know voss near live streams or <laughs> You know, I think there's a handful of people who want to see Cron CD. So again, um, with that in mind, uh, yeah. So starting with our next game club, which is Jam. Oh, next game club is Jade Empire. Yes, which you can already delve into. Voss, mm -hmm. your copy is still should... free, Fred, on Origin. It is. It is yeah. still free on Origin. There is. It is uh, their their freebie, which is an indefinite amount of time. I've played it myself. You have to do a very mild INI file change to make mm -hmm. it in 1080p, but it does do 720p native without adapting the game in any way, and it does work with. Um, 
360 controllers and Xbox One controllers right out of the box. Mm-hmm. You just have it on and it'll work with them. Um, and uh, there used to be old manipulations you had to do to make the camera movement act like the Xbox version. This newest version on Origin seems to be upgraded so that you can do that. And it is the special edition, but it does not have the documentary. So I'll be getting that documentary live on the site near the end of December. So, <clears throat> so yeah, got a lot of documentaries I'm planning to get live for Christmas as like a gift so that you can veg out instead of playing video games if you want to. Um, but uh, <clears throat> so yeah, with Jade Empire, I'm not going to be doing stuff. I'm just going to be doing the gameplay back to doing that again and focusing mm-hmm. on videos uh last one is for those that watch lost treasures of gaming um i've been keeping up with that um <clears throat> this week they did smash tv which they did two weeks ago when they didn't have an episode of lost treasures of gaming so i highly recommend people go listen to that mark Tremell uh interview it's really great but because they're doing a game i've already done for ltog um, i'm going to be doing the star wars arcade stuff this week so that's what's Sweet. going on with that just to mm-hmm. let people know um <clears throat> and last but not least uh, we are going to um, be resurrecting Gaming History X. It will be an extra credit, you know, kind of thing. It's not going to be part of the weekly show. Um, but because we have retro news coming in and out, and sometimes it's feast, sometimes it's famine, I wanted to have an outlet for that. Also, we get a lot of conversations these days of like, uh, there was a discussion on Twitter today <laughs> as to whether or not the Master Chief Collection should have Reach in it. I figured that was kind of a fun retro f- you know, thing we could speak to. Mm-hmm. So we're going to try to do that show from time to time, ideally weekly, but maybe not. Uh, Jam and I don't always have to be on it, so maybe one of us will be on there with a guest or something, but it will always be more than one person. Um, and it will also be where you can see announcements for the site and whatnot. And, uh, the one that we'll do for the, in the next week or two will be important because it explains some stuff going on with the site, Patreon, Cron CD, things like that. Uh, nothing to write home about, nothing scary, nothing's changing of anything, you know, it's all good news, so to speak, but just changes that are going on. So keep an eye on those. Um, and Tomb Raider Game Club is coming. It took longer than we it, thought, yeah. so we had to schedule a second session, and we'll be wrapping that up this week. Anyway, with that in mind, how about we jump into some Resident Evil Zero and Silent Hill Origins, the two mm-hmm. games that we'll be making up today's um, uh, Silent Evil, Evil episodes. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, unless anybody else have anything? Jam, not boss, not. any announcements? <laughs> No, not really. Okay. All right. Um, all right. Here we go. <clears throat> so first on our list is Resident Evil Zero. Now, we've handled this in a couple of different ways in previous episodes. I think the best way to handle it, or at least this was my suggestion and nobody really second-guessed me on it, uh, was uh, we'll talk a little bit about the release and development of the game. I'm sorry, pre-release and development of the game. We'll spend a majority talking about the game in a kind of spoiler-heavy free form contextual discussion and then we'll wrap up with um kind of where it sits in the pantheon of the games that came before it and after it uh from a sales standpoint and what the audience kind of thought of it so that's kind of where we'll leave it so (coughs) excuse me all right so jumping right into the shit um (laughs) development of resident evil zero it originally began as uh, development as early as 1995. Just so people know, that would be a year before the original Resident Evil would come out. Mm-hmm. Um, although it had been in development for two years at this point. Um, uh, Research and Development, or R&D3, at Capcom handled that. Uh, this is an interesting team when I looked it over because this is not a team traditionally 
known for the Resident Evil franchise. <clears throat> uh, the director was uh, Koji Oda, who this was his first directorial project. I think the biggest thing he'd go on to do was um, Strider, the 2014 game that just came out. Right. That was kind of a Metroidvania. That's that was his next directorial thing. He did some a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff. He he had been working on Resident Evil as early as the original game. He's he's like a, a programmer Background. or something on that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, lead writer was uh, Noboru Sugimura, who has been called something else. He had a incorrectly given name yeah. on a lot of research sites, but the actual uh, his actual name is Noboru Sugimura, um, and he was best known. He did scenarios in Resident Evil Two. He wrote the entire Onimusha initial trilogy, Sweet. and he wrote Clock Tower 3, which is the one Clock Tower game in the series I have not played. Um, <clears throat> it was produced by Tatsu Minami, uh, who he produced Jam, Resident <laughs> Evil Survivor, Resident Evil <laughs> Zero, and Dead yep. Aim. So mm -hmm. he, uh, he was the producer on the... I would say kind of the redheaded stepchildren of the Resident Evil franchise, Absolutely. although I don't want to write it off, write these off as bad games. And Voss, I apologize, I don't recall. What are you, what are your take on what's your take on Survivor and Dead Aim? I like Survivor Dead Aim has a place in my heart, but it may not be a good one. Gotcha. Okay. I, I do like Survivor and Zero, so that's not I I mean, I understand that people don't like them and I get it. And Dead Aim is okay. Yeah, <laughs> two out of three ain't bad. And honestly, uh, um, I'm not so hard on Survivor or Zero. I'm just not very good at those games. I'm relatively decent at Dead Aim, but anyway. <clears throat> Sorry about the frog in my throat, guys. I'm Sorry. gonna get some water in a sec. But <clears throat> last but not least, lead design was by Takahiro Ushiroda, and this was his first project. I couldn't find much on. What else he'd done, but I know he works for Capcom, or he has worked for Capcom in a lot of stuff. <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> and actually, if you want to know, I believe he has worked heavily on the animated, the two animated Resident Evil movies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, Degeneration. And yeah, and what was the one? other one? And Damnation. Damnation. Now, which one was the one in the airport that starts with Leon and Claire? Degeneration. Degeneration. <laughs> which one's the better one? Degeneration. Okay. <laughs> yeah, even though. But you're talking about which is better. Very well, but yeah, it's better. Okay. <laughs> they're not. They're not great. <laughs> no, I own them both, and they're not great. <laughs> yeah, me too. I uh, at first I was. It's one of those weird things where it's like, uh, you know, I think some people are doing this with the Resident Evil remakes. Also, okay, I'm not gonna buy any one of those, but once they put them together on one disc, like I'm, I'm on board. When I saw the dual disc at Target, I had to pick it up. So, anyway. Uh, so um, anyway, so yes, this started in 1995 by R&D3. Uh, Jam, you want to continue talking about kind of where they went with this? Uh, yeah. So, um, so it started shortly after the announcement of the N64DD, but it was always intended to be CD-ROM, um, which DD was originally rumored to be. So, which makes sense for Resident Evil game because obviously um, the you know, Resident Evil 2, 1, well, all the PlayStation 1 games were off CD-ROM, and these are actually bigger games than people think. Um, we you know we saw seven hundred megabytes something like that because uh, Resident Evil Two alone was on two discs. I mean, we have briefly talked about Resident Evil Two being put on the N sixty four, which is some nothing short of a miracle. <laughs> so, yes, they compacted it down to like forty six megs, I think. 
But getting, getting back onto point, Resident Evil Zero was basically intended to be bigger than kind of bigger than what they intended for the N64 to be. The at least the cartridge based. Yeah, um, the one thing I do want to add in, and this was only discovered recently when Capcom started building hype for Zero Remake, um, was that it was always intended to be a 64 game and was always going to be a 64 game. So it never was intended to leave that console, which I think is pretty interesting. So, mm. anyway, sticking to your notes, though, Fred. I'll, I'll go back because that's just me going for my own little rant there. But um, it's important to note that when DD was announced as a cart console in 1997, that development wasn't slow due to Resident Evil 2 on the N64 nearing the end of development, which was released in 1998, January as well. God, I think it was ages ago, and um, it could still, it could, um, and it could still support the title. Um, should we carry on? Or? Oh, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I see what you were saying there. Um, no, actually, Voss, why don't you pick up on um, on on the next bullet point? Okie dokie. Uh, one of the only Resident Evil games that didn't change scenario settings, characters, or new gameplay much during the near eight years of development from 95 to 2002. The zapping system was always in place, always a train, always with Rebecca and Billy, always a prequel. Mm-hmm. So, yes, and, and building upon that, um, I'm going to take the next two just because this one's just like a sentence. But uh, anyway, um, it's based on the Resident Evil 2 engine. I don't ha- have you guys seen that that video? We have it on GH101 of the uh, yep. the N64 footage. Yeah. I yeah. <laughs> I mean, very clearly built on the Resident Evil 2 slash 3 engine. Um, anyway, it was announced in January 1999 and intended for a July 2000 release. Resident Evil 2 on N64 had exclusive EX files. That gave additional plot, including story points from the scrapped Resident Evil 3 script, upcoming Resident Evil Code Veronica plot, and of course, info on Resident Evil Zero, including a shot of Billy, who at the time was unnamed and unknown. And I guess Famitsu asked Capcom directly, and they didn't, like, they played it coy. Um, Mm. Now, have have either of you guys played the uh, Resident Evil 2 and unlocked these EX files? Nah, I have not played the N64 version. I have the N64 version, but I have I do too, and I've never played it. It's, it's my Alfred, fault. you need to play that. I, <laughs> I need well, to play Where's the versions? Too. Come on. I, you know what? That is that is a highly recommend, uh, requested one, was the versions of all the Resident Evil 2s. Because um, I can that do would that be, one. Yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah, it just takes a long time to do because mm. I don't want to do the... Well, maybe I could do the opening scene. Anyway, fuck that. Uh, <laughs> Jam, why don't you continue? So... Yeah. so so, yeah. so Resident Evil Zero was shown off at Tokyo Game Show back in 2000 and had um, had stuttering. Well, it had um, stuttering during early during the early dog scene. Sorry, my my computer's being funny. Um, oh no problem. Hold on, can you just take over a second? My voice yeah, sure. just lost the file. So, uh, so yeah, it had stuttering during uh, the early dog scene. So I'm sure anybody who's played it knows there's a part in the train where suddenly a bunch of dogs jump through. Uh, it's a lot of characters on the screen because I think it's three dogs at once. Plus there's a guy on the ground. Um, and it stuttered. So, um, although slated for holiday 2000 at that point, Tokyo Game Show's in the spring, just in case people want to know. Uh, the game was rumored to not only be 10 to 20% complete, uh, many were hinting that the N64 slash DD, it wasn't dead yet at that point, uh, couldn't handle the game. So, mm-hmm. uh, completion was weak. Um, all right. Well, then, jam you back, or should I have uh, Voss take uh, it? You, okay. uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, Voss, you're up. Okay. Dolphin, later named the GameCube, is announced at E3's 2000 and behind closed doors. Capcom shows possibly 
ceases development, slows, possibly ceases development on the N64 version, waits for GameCube specs. The GameCube officially announced with specs in August 2000, and Capcom ramps up for a disc-based, much higher visual quality title with the same score scope slash campaign. One team was to upgrade the visuals while another working hard on hiding the console's disc-based load times, apparently very important. And in September of 2000, Capcom announces Biohazard slash Resident Evil Zero as the first Resident Evil title on the GameCube with a late 2001 release. There we go. Now, did you... I, I never thought about this, but, like, for those... Have you guys all played Resident Evil Zero on the GameCube? Yes. That's the only version I've played. Okay. Right. Load times are real short, and I never thought about mm -hmm. that until I was doing research for this. Have you noticed that? Like... No, I yeah, think actually, it, it does never, make sense, but I've never noticed load times, honestly. Mm. <laughs> yeah, like even the door animations, like it seems like those seem sped up a little bit. Whereas on the PlayStation, you know, you go make a sandwich, you know. But anyway, um, <laughs> all right, we'll, we'll, we're we're going to kill our rotation. But Jam, why don't you pick up right here? <laughs> I was about to say, I was, I was about to say, I think Resident Evil Code Veronica has the worst loading times because has the boom boom Of course, <laughs> man, because it's uh, it's Dreamcast. I'm sorry, I love Dreamcast to death. The GD-ROM just doesn't read so fast. <laughs> anyway. Okay, so apparently the writer Sugi, Sugi Sugimura like yeah. it, uh, was called to rewrite a couple of scenes, and it was so long since he'd um, seen the script, he barely remembered it. He was called in um, because originally the uh, progenitor virus, or the clay virus, was to be the focal point of Resident Evil 4. But when Mikami rewrote that, the connections had to be written out. Yeah, so for sense, those really. that want to know all about that history, that's on gh101.com. Um, anyway, when the uh, when the six GameCube Resident Evil title announcement was made, I forgot it was all, it was six games. Mm, yep. uh, the reveal of remake Resident Evil Remastered or whatever you want to call it uh, delayed Resident Evil Zero to 2002 and made it the fifth of the six titles to release <laughs> on the console. In case you want to know what those were in order of release, it was remake. Resident Evil 2, 3, and Code Veronica released that summer. Remake came mm -hmm. out in the spring of 2002. Resident Evil 0 in 2002. And then, of course, those who follow it know 4 didn't make it till 2005. But that meant I didn't realize this because I bought them all on the GameCube. Five yeah. freaking Resident Evil titles in That's a one lot, yeah. year. <laughs> Whew. Uh, <clears throat> People complained about when, when was it 2012 when we had uh, Revelations, um, Operation Raccoon City, and 6 in one year. <laughs> so. Yes, yes. Um, ah, the castle roid. Anyway, um, all right, Voss, you're up. The game finally be re being released in November 2002 with the only other currently port being the Wii port in 2008, which was the GameCube title with the 16, 9, and Progressive. Yeah, yeah they gave it widescreen and Progressive skin, so. Um, all right, so that's the development of the game, um, Weird to think that Resident Evil Zero was around. Like, basically, it seems like when they built Resident Evil, they were building in uh, the prequel right there. Um, mm. And it seems like a, a large portion of development time, right? Because the, who was it? The Sugimura would probably turn around right after this got done and write Onimusha, right? Like, that, that yeah, seems about sense. right in the timeline. So, mm. anyway... 
Long development. And a lot of people say they'd like to see it on the N64. I don't know. What do you guys think? Nope. <laughs> I don't see I mean, why. <laughs> there's no yeah. point now. Well, but think of, yeah, think about when it would come out. It would come out in 2000, right? Originally, maybe 2001. And it would come out to like side by side with Code Veronica. Imagine mm-hmm. like Resident Evil 0 in the in the uh Resident Evil 2 engine coming out side by side with Code Veronica. I just don't think that's a good I don't know. Uh, equation for success. <laughs> yeah. So. <clears throat> All right. People, so people, yeah, people were done with those kind of blocky graphics by that stage anyway. So it wouldn't have the, the what they did with this version of Zero was a lot better. Than, yeah, because this was now built in the remake engine, and that engine looks gorgeous. Mm. I don't know about you guys. I think that I think Resident Evil Zero looks fantastic yeah. on the gamecube um yeah absolutely i'm not even sure why they're hda buying it looks fine as it is <laughs> well and i don't know if i've talked about it yet but i did get to play the hdified version at pax i just haven't oh, wow. i didn't do any write-ups or anything because it was exactly what you guys expect yeah, exactly yeah. um <clears throat> and it looks i mean it looks good but much like remake it's just like well you know it doesn't really need it i think the only thing i would give it is that um it's becoming harder and harder, as we talked about here. This was the only version to uh, require a GameCube controller to play on the Wii port. And I think less yeah. and less people have access to an official Nintendo GameCube controller, which, much like the N64, is the only real way to play those games. Mm. Um, so it's becoming kind of a bitch to get access to it. Um, and they probably think they can make money off of it, which they probably can. Um, oh, yeah. So. <laughs> but I don't know. When this game came out, I could not wait. Like I was, I had imported the GameCube and remake and I really dug it. And then when remake came back out, I rebought it, played the English version because the puzzles were really hard to figure out if you didn't have English. Um, and then played this and I was pretty bad at it. <laughs> and that Love was it. very discouraging to me. And I know people like roll their eyes at that, especially when you think about, you know, conceivably for people who've never played it before, how difficult some of those original games can be. Um, and especially Code Veronica. But uh, I don't know. What was what was you guys' take on that game right out of the gate? I find, I find it surprising, Fred, <clears throat> that you said that this was difficult because I found this game <clears throat> significantly easier than the remake because they didn't do the burning bodies thing, for starters. So they didn't have that mechanic at all. The zombies died in this game once you shot them like all the other games. True. Um, I, I I really enjoy this. I actually played this on release as well on the GameCube because I, I I've always been kind of a big Resident Evil fan. So um, I I was on top of this as, even though I didn't actually own the GameCube. I played a sort of I was actually I actually brought the game um, who's actually still got my copy of the GameCube game to this day to play it on his system. Oh, you got to go get that back, man. <laughs> uh, I, I do I do yeah. He still has it. I think. I, 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 and that know. was a two disker, right? Yeah, two yes, discs. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Mm. I I, really, I love the tone of it. Um, I, I was I was expecting a bit more from the story. I don't know where you got. I know, I know that sounds really silly, say for a Resident Evil game, but, but I know which way we don't take it too well, seriously. Well, but actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with you a bit here. Uh, although Voss, I'm curious what your thoughts were on yeah. the overarching story. And remember, go to town with spoilers. Like this is kind of from the context of somebody who is at least familiar with this the game. Uh, I mean, as far as the story goes, it it just. It fits. 
I, I don't really know what more to say about it. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of I kind of dig that it dig it delves a little bit more into that that Ashford. Uh, like, I don't know if it, it deals m- much with the Ashfords, does it? No, Not really. No, it doesn't do much Ashford stuff. It, it's very much a, a kind of like a fan. It, it goes with the kind of the lore of the series. It, it has you know Wesker cameos in it and Birkin yeah. cameos in it at the same time. The my slight disappointment, which I should probably clarify, is what this story is. It's it's basically Bravo team, the first team that was sent into the Alkali mm-hmm. Mountains. Now my my intention going into this game was it was going to be a bit more about Bravo team in general, but it isn't. You see Bravo team for like an instant, and then they all go wander off, and then Rebecca's wandering off by herself, and that's literally the. See you, Kenneth. Game. Okay, here we go. <laughs> I, know, um, yeah. I was like, I want to see more forest in my game. Oh, forest. <laughs> Yeah, Forrest Speyer, you know, he's got there is a game out there that's just Forrest Speyer being a badass uh that hasn't been written yet. It's it's got to be like the uh, Metal Gear Rising Revengeance <laughs> of uh of uh, uh you know of the Resident Evil series. I can't wait to see that. But uh and um the other, the other thing is I'm just well, this is complete real quick. Sports. The the one thing I, I I wanted to mention when I was saying like I know it's not the Ashford storyline. I was pretty sure because you go into that mansion, right? You you do enter yeah. a mansion in this Another game. Another mansion, yeah, yeah. But it had that look and kind of eerie feel. Plus that like ancient like that umbrella is behind like a more ancient aged lineage. It well, kinda... yeah, it does have sort of the the family line to it, and it's following you know one of the original founders of the umbrella corporations descendants uh yeah oswell he spent no was it oswell we spencer key yeah yeah Yeah. because it's the spencer mansion in the the game and people don't know but uh if people don't know because the spencer estate gets kind of lost in the in the fiction if you're if you're not paying too close attention but um what i liked about that was you know there are probably some people who don't like all that lore that was added in with the ashfords and code veronica and then even more so here but i did like that part of it in fact that was my push ah. to keep going as i kept getting into new areas so yes dr james marcus was the other guy not spencer the marcus, this is the yes. he was like the main bad guy in this game he's like the co-founder of umbrella and there's fucking leeches which yeah, any, say, any leeches. japanese animation fans gotta be into some big slimy leeches i mean <laughs> anyway anyway what were you gonna say <laughs> what were you gonna say jam you said it was a spoiler or something well the what i what what i would have liked to have seen this game which can they completely missed and i thought was a bit disappointing is they didn't kind of go into the fate of bravo team at all the ending of this game basically is rebecca going to the spencer mansion which i think is really hilarious because literally the spencer mansion is a few stones throw from this other mansion which is well, there's that and like what nothing to Chris. Like he's like, what have you been doing, Rebecca? Oh, nothing. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I would have. I would quite like to just see. So maybe they could just maybe show Bravo Bravo team reconnecting, and then you maybe saw some of the team getting d- killed or something like. Yeah, like. Well, she did be- run into uh, what's his face, Edward. Because mm. she did run into mm. him like after the she went down on the tram and and I talked to her and it's like, oh, I've got to find Billy. And he's like, okay, then I'll meet you at this mansion. And then she's like, I never saw him again. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) The, the, the feigning plot points where they're just like, yeah, we remember that happened. I, I don't know. To me, I, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I also find it so delightfully Capcom though. Right. That this crazy adventure would happen. Then you see Rebecca and she acts like she's been sitting in that room for the, you know, for three days, you know, (laughs) Uh, it, it almost turns the original lore on its head, and it's kind of funny. It has that ring of like the way George Lucas retcons Star Wars sometimes, 
And I'm sorry yeah. to invoke the Holy Trilogy, but like seriously, <laughs> like it does it does have that feel to it. So, oh no, I completely agree because Rebe- Rebecca is quite badass in this game, and she's quite a strong. Oh, that's tank. right. Who's the Rebecca fan? Is it you, uh, Me. <laughs> I am too. Oh, okay. I'm the one that I'm the one that searched that um, in Resident Evil 2 that yeah that pile of trash on Wesker's desk just to get that picture. Fifty times? Hell yeah! <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay, that's fair. I'm not a huge Rebecca fan, although I had no problem playing her in this game. Um, she. The only thing I was going to mention, just me being the complete nerd here, but um, she's she is a better character in the novelizations of Resident Evil. <laughs> yes. S- <laughs> SD Perry's what is it called? Like zero something. But she's featured in three of the books. Um, she's she has her own standalone book, uh, which I can't remember what it's called. It's not which is not even featured. Caliban in the game. Cove is what it's that's called. That's it. That's it. Um, I'm Cove. looking at the list right here. Let's see. And the zero one was called it's zero. <laughs> yeah, it's actually Thank number you. zero. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is number zero. Yeah, it's the seventh book. It's the hidden seventh book. Uh, but anyway, um, and gameplay's changed up a little bit. So they've got the zapping system. Who wants to cover the zapping system? I, I don't mind mentioning it. You basically, um, the zapping system is um, literally a touch of the Z button um, and you ha, will ha, instantly ha. switch between um, Billy and Rebecca. And it's like a little heartbeat. They do, they do, boop, boop. But it's instant. There's no loading, even if you're in different rooms, which is pretty cool. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, we were I mean, agreeing. I, I, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, but did you guys want to sort of take... I, I quite liked this feature. I mean... It's uh, the other thing worth mentioning as well is that if you were both in the same room, you, you had that horrible little s- yellow C stick, which I didn't like on the GameCube. You yeah. can use that to control the other character. <laughs> so. Oh yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, you. Uh, just so you guys know, um, off the top of my head, I remember the controls were really weird and clunky um, mm. on how they've remapped those buttons to. At my demo, it was an Xbox One controller, but I bet the remapping is the same on the PlayStation 4. So yeah. you will want to change those buttons. Uh, you can. <laughs> it's in the main menu. But um, but yes, I do remember moving the characters around. I'll tell you what I liked about it. I liked going between the two areas. Mm. I even... I don't know if I liked it, but I'll give a pass to that stuff where it's like, oh, you got to climb up on the roof. Oh, you fell through the floor. Oh, now you got to use the dumb waiter to give the other person the key. Um, I'll give that a pass. I don't particularly like it, but I, I could excuse it. Well, what I think I... that particular moment was just to show, hey, you can have one character stay here while another character is doing something important. Yeah. It's That's just a a, point. It's like a tutorial to show you this is a mechanic. That's a that's a good point, and and again, I I have to concede that that's the one that's the time when that happens. It's most fresh in my head. I in fact, I'm starting to wonder now. The game is fresh in my head, but I'm starting to wonder if it hasn't if if that wasn't one of the more arbitrary versions of that mechanic, and that it's not used that much beyond there. Is that true? Uh, there are maybe three times total that you split okay. up, that you have to split apart. Yeah, yeah, because I know there's some times where like a door comes down between you. I think in one in the basement with the monkeys. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say the monkey, the monkey bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I didn't really care for that. But what really got under my skin was that this had the same problem that I'm running into right now with Fallout Four, which is not a unique one, but it's it's the inventory management, which I don't know. Okay. To its credit, though, isn't that what Resident Evil has always been? Yeah, yes. 
the so I guess what you're speaking to, Brad, is that you you have no item boxes in this game, so you just dump stuff sure. on the floor. And you, well, but what you're really doing slots. is juggling, yeah, very few slots for your two characters. But a lot of people would say, well, if you only had one Redfield. character that had twelve slots, you wouldn't be bitching as much, and they're probably right. Um, to you, Chris Redfields. <laughs> yeah, and I'm trying to remember: does the AI use your ammo if it happens uh, to have you ammo? You can turn them off, though. You can tell them not. To. Okay. And I probably had a hard time juggling that back when I first yeah. was playing the GameCube version. Um, you can set it. You can solve. There's a little. It's just you can say you can tell them to like basically fire on fire on demand, basically or, or not fire, and that's about it, really. I think that was the only two options you had. But um, but if they have the weapon, it's, it's not like say Resident Evil Five where you play single player where Sheva will just go nuts and just use all your items <laughs> in your head. Yes, <laughs> Here, I'll spray you. I know you've got full health. Don't worry about it, bro. I got you. Jesus, Sheva, like stop it. Well, and see that depends because I would always play as Sheva and have Chris yeah. as my partner, but. That's just me um, <laughs> connecting with what I most, you know, somebody who's most like me. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, yeah, so I didn't like that, but I did kind of find it novel, the whole throwing items on the floor and the, yeah. the game never forgets that they're there. Mm -hmm. That's right, That was yeah. actually very useful because none of the other games have that mechanic. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like you can dump shit anywhere. You can just throw the shotgun down in the middle and you know what? No one touches it. All these motherfuckers running around the mansion. Nobody touches it. <laughs> so I did like that. I did like that. And there were certain scenes where you kind of had to. Um, yeah. So a handful of boss battles. We'll, we'll talk about the bosses in their own <laughs> section. But a handful of boss battles where that becomes useful. Um, <clears throat> Resident Evil Insect Edition, I think, is the term I've used for this game. Completely, actually, I would say Organic Edition, <laughs> organic if you edition. want my opinion. Right? Because even that guy in the water treatment plant, the, yeah. the green guy that uh, was the guy who made me quit the game the first time, like I just couldn't beat him. Mm -hmm. um, he's just a big green mess of we don't know what, but it's organic <laughs> matter. He's kind of like Swamp Thing, you know? Like Bleach Men. Bleach Men. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so... Uh, very interesting, but yeah, everything is like alive and squishy and slimy. Again, it is very much the, it's very Japanese and anime, you know, everything kind of slithers about and slides out and has some like shiny sheath all over it. It's, it's just, Sounds sexy. <laughs> it, it does until you see it and hear it. <laughs> like, uh, what about you guys? That sound of the leeches just kind of coming at you or like when they cover Rebecca or when she's spewing them out of her mouth. It's, uh. yeah. <laughs> well, that, uh, when you first boot up the game and it, sh and it has the little teaser thing and it shows the leech opening its mouth. That is burned in my mind, and for some reason, that has connected to what vaginas look like. Uh, actually, you are, boss, you will find out that that is uh, exactly what it's supposed to do. Um, I, I believe it or not, I took a, a college course where we studied what is called the vagina pintata, which is this theory God. that men's, no, I'm not kidding you, uh, this theory that men's fear of vagina finds its way into popular culture. And uh, the biggest examples the professor gave, and this was in a 2002, uh, no, 2003 classroom. It was, so it was a year after the release, pretty much, uh, that fall. Um, he used uh, The Thing. Watch The Thing. You'll see a lot of John Carpenter's 1982 The Thing. There's lots of vagina in that. H.R. Um, Giger is very scared of vagina. That's very much clear in any of the Alien films. Um, 
and uh and and of course you know there's there's various others but one of the ones he cited were the leech-like monsters uh in 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 japanese pop culture including and he cited resident evil zero so no that's not a mistake Voss. that's uh, <laughs> that's very much some poor japanese designer who created that creature uh in inherent uh, subtle fear of vagina that he may or may not be aware of <laughs> didn't like him before still don't sorry <laughs> <laughs> Touche, brother. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Fortingard does say, um, I actually like Resident Evil Zero's monster design. I like it better than the Plagas. Um, what do you guys think to that? There, it, There's a lot of design choices in this game that I really do like. Um, in fact, I find the zombie portion of this game, they seem a little stronger, a little more like bullet sponges in this one, but uh, maybe no more so than in the remake. Um, but they seem like kind of the more boring enemies you'll face. And you really don't have to face a lot of them, honest, that I remember. There's not as many zombies, I would No, say. there's that ambush right in the beginning. Yeah, you um, have the ones on the train, and you have the ones in the first mansion that are kind of sporadically around there, but that's kind of about it. Yeah, you're like, yeah. oh, a lecture hall. Shit. Um, but uh, <laughs> now where the ambushes, like I, when I say ambush, obviously there's one in the very beginning, but it's like scripted. Were there like the true ambushes like we saw in Code Veronica where all of a sudden the room would flood with zombies? I'm uh, trying to remember if that was. No. Like, okay. Okay. Nope. So it didn't happen. Okay. It's a little bit nicer. <laughs> <laughs> well, and on that design choice, uh, there are some things I really like, like um, uh, the bosses, which again, I'm going to hold off on those for a second. Uh, but I like that the dogs seem to have like more of a focus here. I don't think they're that frequent. But they're definitely more like they seem to more fit in with the feng shui, I guess I would say, of the enemy designs in this, which is all like biological experiments. Yeah, and I mean they have the monkeys, they have the giant uh, millipedes or whatever. Yes, <laughs> yeah, those things, and then of course, <sighs> I fucking hate those monkeys, man. Like those monkeys, <laughs> those monkeys are awful. <sighs> you know, and like they they are tough. They are fucking tough. They are probably... You know how every game you've got your one enemy you don't want to go toe-to-toe with on low health? It's obviously the Hunters in Resident Evil 1 for me, and then this monkey is another one. Like, it's just like, no. Well, you just have to wait until they're close and aim down to make sure that you hit them, and that's obviously a huge risk. Yeah, there's a lot of aiming in this one, a little bit more so than we saw in previous Resident Evil games. I think that was another adjustment I had to get used to, which I don't think is a bad choice, but it was surprising. Um, this game's also really long, in my opinion. Really? I, I just so is it. Well, Jam, <laughs> you and I seem to differ by about one hundred percent on. You know, you think Tomb Raider's a five-hour game, and like I wander around for twenty-five hours, and I'm still trying to find the exit. But uh, uh, I don't know, Voss. How? What was your completion time on this? I think it took me fifteen, maybe eighteen hours to beat it the first time. I have no idea about the first time. I seven hours, maybe ten tops. Oh wow! Okay, so yeah, I'm the one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That was a long time ago, though. Yeah, um, but yeah, and Fortgard, Fortingard is chiming in that he really does dig the art design. Yeah. Um, I actually, yeah. If you guys are cool, let's. Uh, were there any other enemies you wanted to, uh, other than bosses? We'll get to bosses the, in a sec. I swear. Hunters were in this game. Yes, yeah, hunters were in this game. I do remember that hunters were in this game. I remember them coming in. And I was like, I think are this water treatment plant first time they pop in. I believe so. Yeah, because there was the uh, area where you get caged in with them. Mm. Yes, 
And I remember when they popped out, I was like, oh, thank God, they're just hunters. Because um, <laughs> at least I knew how to deal with them. And you do, or at least I remember having the shotgun a lot in this. And I think it's because yeah. they had to give Billy and Rebecca kind of primary weapons. And Billy's was clearly supposed to be the shotgun and the bigger guns because, right, male, penis. Of course, he's got to have a shotgun. Um, I was about to say, you uh, could swap them. You could give Rebecca the shotgun. Yeah, yeah I that always would just played as Rebecca and kept the better guns. That's probably smart. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I always played as Rebecca, but yeah, for some reason, I, you know, as I mock the male stereotype, I fit it to the bill because I think that's what Steve always ran around with. Or Steve. Sorry, not Leo DiCaprio. Uh, that's what Billy always ran around in in mine was, I think he had a shotgun, a uh, fucking Colt Python, and he might have had the grenade launcher. Although I think I gave Rebecca the grenade launcher. I think I, I did that. I mean, you've got to give both characters some sort of heavy hitting weapon for when you do run into, you know, a hunter or a boss. Exactly. Exactly. Um and Fortingard says, although Billy doesn't look like a tough dude at all. No, doesn't he look like the guy who's like way too old to still be working at Hot Topic? Well, his um, tattoo says mother on it, like very, very artistically. I'll give him that, but he's got the fucking tribal shoulder. Come on. What are you, George Clooney and from Dust Till Dawn? Come on. <laughs> Billy's too slick for his own good, and they tweaked him a little bit for the remake. And it's, oh, really? oh yeah, he's a, he's just a little bit more GQ. He's got that Bradley oh, wow. Cooper look going now. Um, I just don't know where he got all the pomade while in the in the recesses of these dank and drab places, right? He's climbing through a water treatment plant, but that hair is slick and firm. Uh, you know what I did like about Billy, which is kind of a really sad thing um, to to mention, but I really like the little dangling um, handcuffs on his arm because that looked really cool. It, it's a nice touch. It looked really awesome. They, uh, they were literally free flowing. <laughs> yeah, they, they had their own physics. They really did. Um, so, all right, we've got Taiwan and Sparky Kestrel. So, all of our native-born Australian listeners are here. Um, but. Uh, <laughs> Just kidding. Actually, I think we have one more <laughs> Australia listener. But anyway, um, Fortingard says Clooney and Dust Till Dawn is tougher than Billy. Yeah. Fair enough. Although he's got That's kind a of a film. sordid past. I always thought his past actually never really. Well, Fortingard. And not Fortingard's past. Uh, <laughs> Billy's past. I, I always thought Billy's past was never as cool as it could have been. It um, feels like, I mean, yes, it's a serious thing, but it felt like they were putting a lot more weight onto it yeah. with like the characters reactions to it than how that they portrayed it. Yeah. Where he's just like, Oh I man, kind of rushed his thing. Oh, fucking shooting people I, in war is terrible. Not I mean, they I just did like five, that, five but... minutes in the middle. That was kind of, that's his entire backstory. There you go. Yeah, yeah, almost like somebody was fed up like at Capcom. You can imagine like a planning meeting. Fine, you want his fucking origin? <laughs> Sugimura, write me up some shit we could throw in in the middle of the campaign. I don't know, somewhere after the mansion. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, um, Fortingard says my past involves the blood moon. That's fantastic. Um, so so yeah, so uh, but back to what Fortingard was saying about the art direction. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of distinct places and, and to its credit, Code Veronica also did this, but I think Code Veronica and Zero have the most like very varied locations in yeah, a Resident yeah. Evil game because we go from a train to I think the, the next spot is the mansion, right? I mean you go you have to go through a mild the sewer tunnel, passage, yeah. but then you there's get a little, into the mansion. 
there's a little cameo from Resident Evil 2 that you go through briefly, which is the remember you know the um, the underground lab bit. Mm-hmm. The yeah, you, you where you at the very the... end where you have where you find yeah. the train that you leave on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there is, and then the basement of the mansion is kind of that biological area where you start finding the monkeys and, of course, one of the more colorful bosses. Um, and even the what is it, the beastie area out back? Like that's pretty extensive, right? In and of itself. Um, and then you got the water treatment plant. And to be honest with you, uh, the very end of that game is not very fresh in my head. Do you go anywhere else beyond the water treatment plant? I don't think that? so. I, oh, I didn't yeah, yeah. finish my most recent playthrough. <laughs> okay, that's fair. You pretty much We're all going to replay it again, right? Come January? Yay. yay. <laughs> Maybe not January, but I do intend to get that at some point. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to pull that trigger, too, even though I told GM I specifically wouldn't. I, um, I knew it. <laughs> yeah. We get, on, we get it on PC, though. It's not. It, actually, the only reason I'm really doing it is it doesn't look like Asia's getting a PS3 release. So, yeah. Um, don't quote me on that, but for now it looks that way. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I just thought, and they were very distinct, right? Each area is pretty damn distinct, even in yeah. as much as the underground lab areas of the mansion versus the mansion itself they're all very different and even the mansion itself is not doesn't have a whole lot in common to the the spencer estate in either layout or what each area looks like it's more educational right it's more of a training reminds, facility yeah it reminds mm-hmm. me of like a oh like a college dean's like main office or something you know what i mean like the the the, the dean's office like building of a college campus or something i don't know mm. With the grand staircase and the Lady Justice and yeah, all right, and the lecture halls upstairs and stuff like it was, it was interesting like that. Um, so, so yeah, I don't know. What did you guys think of of the design? And what's your favorite area? I really like the train. I know it's kind of like the train. Okay, so it's just different. It was you know, something unexpected. The train's how you call people out who haven't actually beaten the game but try to play it off like they have. Mm. Yeah, remember at the end of the train where you finally get to the front and you fight the leech guy and then the game ends? Yeah, that was the best. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I did like the, like I just mentioned, the little cameo of the Resident Evil 2 area. It's only at like one area um, because, uh, because it was, you went, basically went through a door that you couldn't access in Resident Evil 2 game. Because this is my first impression of, ooh, is a remake of 2 coming? At this stage, you think? Yeah, is there the hunk but, connection in this one? What? The, is there does does Hunk jump onto the train uh, in this one? No, or is that no, a different Hunk, Yeah. No, I don't think Hunk's in the game at all. No. Okay, I'm blending my Resident Evils. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> well, and it's not the only time that they've reused the area that Jam's talking about, because that's actually also in uh, the first Resident Evil outbreak. Oh yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah. Oh yeah, it is a scenario, <laughs> isn't I it? That, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that exact same that. room. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> they like that room, huh? Um, I don't know, Voss. What was your favorite area? I actually really love the uh, the design choice that they did for the uh, chapel. Yes. Oh yeah, that's good. The chapel's mine, which yeah. which has the uh, just to spoil it a little bit, but that's <laughs> the one with the big ass ba- uh, bat battle afterwards, right? <laughs> yes, it is. Okay, yeah, yeah. That was my favorite area, and I do kind of consider the chapel, even though it's a very short part of the game. I do consider it to somewhat much like the basement of the mansion, like that underground lab to very much be its own area. I mean, Uh, you've got the big chapel in the front and then in the back, you've got the little lab area that they were working on. 
Yeah, and it's if it's it's what like ninety minutes of the game. I mean, it's a, or maybe two hours. Like it's it's a little longer, or at least maybe that's how I'm remembering it. I don't know. It, I, I mean, it's one of the parts where they force you to split apart. Yeah, yeah, and it, yeah. it. I think it works really well, honestly. And I have to say, sorry, I was drinking some water. Um, <laughs> that's right. I have to say that uh, it's it's not been since two thousand and nine, and I only played through. Oh, actually, no. When I played that one on the Wii. I played through the whole game, but I think that was the last time I played it, and I was uh, single. Um, I was with my wife, but I wasn't married to her yet, and um, wait, hold on, shit, I might have been married to her. Anyway, um, <laughs> but I was I was newly married and uh, didn't have a whole lot of responsibilities in life other than like I think I was a bartender at that time. So, uh, and my wife worked uh, at a hospital, so there was a lot of time where like she'd go to work for twelve hours and I wouldn't have to work that day, and I'd just play countless amounts of games. You know, back when you used to complete like a game a week, oh, yeah, or more. <laughs> yeah, I'm still there. <laughs> Good for you, man. No, like like I said, I don't I don't discredit that. And you're younger than me. Like um, you should, man. Live it up while you I'm want good. to. As yeah. long as you want to. If it's like a, if it's like a, you know, an unescapable black hole, then it's not good. But if it's what you want to do, like again, I didn't grow out of that until my daughter was born. And I wouldn't say I grew out of it cuz I still desire to do it and occasionally I am guilty of taking a day off to play a game straight through but um but uh but it was when when that all kind of went away but anyway <clears throat> um says i used to be a bartender um oh yeah <laughs> you know um yes i was a bartender for almost a decade actually um i did not but i wasn't one of those ones that threw bottles around and shit but i was a good bartender um anyway. oh, Fred, that's not selling yourself very well <laughs> Yeah, right? Uh, no, I was a bartender for 10 years. It was, was one of my favorite things to do. Um, I was going to be a games journalist back then. Um, but, uh, yeah, and I again, I, I really liked the chapel area. I thought that was one of the most enchanting areas uh, of the game uh, because it was so familiar, but it was still so distinct. Mm-hmm. Um, so, all right, let's talk about the bosses. I was about to say, yeah, do you want to talk about bosses? Yeah, let's jump right into the bosses. Number um, one is the scorpion. Fuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, did you guys play the demo disc? I think it came I did, with. Yeah. yeah, did it? Was it a pre-order for Resident Evil Remake or? I forget how you got the demo disc, but I remember playing through it. And didn't the scorpion appear? And that was when the demo ended. That's what I remember. Yeah, you didn't fight the scorpion. And it might have been an official Nintendo magazine. Now I think about it, that sounds like a fucking future joint. Um, I don't know. But yeah, that was how the demo went. And just so you guys know, if they they probably won't because they were thinking about it. Capcom was, but if they do release the demo of the remake, mm-hmm. um, the demo we played in uh, at PAX was identical to that one. It stopped when you That's hit the scorpion. Cool. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was a cool idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and it was weird, right? Because the scorpion came right on the heels of fighting the your first like heavy leech guy. Do you remember that? Yes. Mm-hmm. So you got done with that battle and you were like, Jesus, okay, that's done. He was a bullet sponge. And then the fucking scorpion just breaks through and you're like, or no, didn't you come up a staircase and he was just sitting there? <laughs> well, you're still trying. Well, there's this cutscene for it, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, you're still trying to rescue your trap teammate and you like go up into a different room, find the shotgun and the, and the pick to release him. Then you come back and there's the scorpion. Okay, and it's just like, what's up? <laughs> this boss is also called Stinger. <laughs> of course it is because of course okay. it is <laughs> um, and uh 
would you guys uh, so you, you like the scorpion uh, i remember him being easier than i thought but you yeah. just had to be hyper aggressive with him well it's, it's kind of timing as well because he did this whole blocking his head with his claws and stuff you basically had to just wait until he kind of revealed his head and shoot him you have to kind of run up to him and aim down and shoot him in the head yeah but wasn't the stinger a problem yeah yeah, you, yeah you that was a yeah, step yeah. back when he would uh take the stinger down at you and he would charge forward at you every now and then gotcha i just remember his pattern was pretty easy but at the same time he was kind of cute you know putting his claws in front of his face and everything and trying to sting you it was kind of cute um it did prepare me though and i think this is probably as much if not more so than other resident evils because i gotta be honest like the resident evil code veronica bosses sometimes were kind of bullshit like there was no good pattern to them half of it was luck in my opinion but maybe i'm the minority there Nosferatu, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or like Tyrant on the fucking plane. I'm sorry. Like that came yeah. down to were you prepared for crazy. him yep. and could you hit him enough before he got any good, good licks on you? Whereas this whole game was about memorizing the patterns. That if you could get the patterns down on any of these bosses, you were pretty good. The trick was being able to pull off what they needed you to pull off, mm-hmm. um, in my opinion. So. so I thought Stinger was a good intro to that. Um, I mean, I don't know if we want to climb through each boss, but what was uh, what was everyone's favorite boss? Um, I quite liked. I think it's called um, oh, it's Prototype Tyrant or Proto Tyrant or Tyrant Pipe Pro Tyrant. Yeah, <laughs> Proto Rent. Uh, anyway, because that was Proto-tyrant. like Tyrant. Um, because that because it was it was just kind of an interesting surprise. Because that was a bit like with the Scorpion, where he was just kind of like jumping, just he was just kind of set on you by surprise. Mm-hmm. And I, I was under the impression when I first played this, I thought this was the tyrant from Resident Evil One, but it wasn't. It's, they call it the whole sort of lore and stuff. This is like a prototype version, hence why he's easy to kill. But <laughs> I guess. Oh, is he that easy? I yeah. would say so. Yeah, he was pretty straightforward. <laughs> I had some issues with him. <laughs> he's easier than the Resident Evil One. Yeah, unless you know the trick to Resident Evil 1. I don't know if you've seen the three-hour playthrough, but there is one trick to get <laughs> the Resident Evil 1 Tyrant to go down very fast. Uh, you also encounter him multiple times. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but, yeah. And those that are really good at fighting him are really good at fighting him. Um, anyway, uh, I mean, I'll chime in and say the bat. I dug the bat. I like the bat, too. I really don't know if I have a favorite. Yeah. <laughs> The what was the one in the basement that I was thinking of with the monkeys? Was it like a big centipede? Yeah, there's a, there's a centipede that abducts Rebecca. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. And she, I think that was the thing was my shotgun had almost no ammo and she had the good weapon. That was the thing. Like, I almost want to warn people who play this game. And maybe, maybe this is, you guys can chime in on what you think, but there may be some benefit to at least having a guide or like some bullet points as to, okay, in this area, you may want to know Rebecca's about to get, you know, you can't use her for this. You know what I mean? I really kind of hate games where you're sharing items and ammo and then they take away one of the people and you're not prepared for it. And I get why they do it, but then you get into that problem that only I think code Veronica and resident evil zero run into where you literally can have no ammo and, or no real retaliation for the things coming at you through no fault of your own. Mm. So I don't know, but I guess you'll go back to where there was a typewriter and that predates that death. So, or that, that kidnapping, right? As long as you remember to save. 
<laughs> yeah, because I don't remember there being any saves where you weren't together. Am I correct on that? I believe you could save if you weren't together. Okay. Okay. But I never really split my characters apart. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah, I tended to keep them together. Um, that was the same, yeah, I did that. <clears throat> so, all right. Uh, well, I think uh, anything else you guys want to say about uh, this particular game? Anything you want to wrap up with just on your overall thoughts? Uh, maybe we should give some closing thoughts and then we'll talk about the release and reception. Um, this I was mean, the... Uh, Go ahead. Oh, sorry, sorry Foss, you, you go first. Uh, it's kind of where I uh, kind of hoped that the evolution of the series would continue to go because I thought that getting... You finally have two characters that are smart enough not to say, hey, let's go run off in separate directions and get ourselves killed. They actually stick together. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but, uh, I mean, it kind of changed the tank controls into... It's kind of more of the logical progression of the series until they just jumped into action i agree um and you know resident evil revelations 2 shares a lot of similar staff to this game and you you'd almost hope they would carry on some of that um i don't know if you guys have played resident evil revelations 2 not yet uh, i've played two of the episodes and what you'll come to find is they were so dead set on making it's two pairs of partners and i'll just leave it at that like you're going to each each episode has two storylines and each storyline has two people that are partnering up. And I think there's online co-op, but I didn't use it. And the problem was, is they decided to make each character distinct. So imagine if you were playing the game and Billy could only carry certain weapons that Rebecca can't and stuff like that. They, they forced it into that scenario, which is fine, but it kind of kills the dynamic that kind of is part of the strength of Resident Evil Zero, I would say. I mean, there were minor differences, like Billy <laughs> could take more damage and Rebecca could combine herbs, but that's well, yeah, because he's strong and she's them. smart, you know, like boys and girls are. <laughs> I mean, other than that, they were basically the same. Yeah, Billy they were essentially the same character. <laughs> oh yeah, did Billy was the lighter like the permanent item or yeah? Did, okay, yeah. But you had to find a fuel for it. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> um, and I don't know. the The reason I'm so hard on this game is I really struggled with this game. Um, I was persistent, but I struggled, um, and I continue to struggle every time I play this game. In fact, I died twice uh, with that initial zombie ambush uh, playing it at PAX. And if it wasn't for the fact that nobody wanted to fucking play the game, I probably would have had to give up the controller. But uh, anyway. Um, so that is something I struggle with, uh, but I kind of have, you know, I've played through Resident Evil 1, 2, and 3 like yearly for the last like five years, and I think I've decided that 2016 I'm going to turn a new leaf. I'm going to play and beat Code Veronica X mm -hmm. and Resident Evil 0 before the year's end. And then you've got to add a third one to that as well. Oh, <laughs> um, and six. <laughs> no, 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 I think... <laughs> weird yeah, you know what, actually, Voss... Yeah, I'll throw in six and we'll play together. We we I I, I have owed you that for far too long. Yeah, and um, I still haven't played it since we made that. <laughs> well, there you go. Don't feel obligated to wait for me, but uh, but at some point we should play that together. Um, so yeah, so that that that's the new goal. That's my three this year. You significantly longer games than the other three. <laughs> yeah, the other three you can beat in a weekend. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so I'll do that. Um, Anyway, okay, well, we'll let's wrap it up because I don't want to sell Short Silent Hill. Um, 
So, uh, I'll just wrap this up. Resident Evil Zero released in November 2002, a mere six months after remake, and uh, critics rather liked the title. See, for some reason, I don't remember that. It's one of those things that we'll consistently see. Like, I feel like critics are going to look back on, like, Metal Gear Solid Five and talk a lot of shit on it, even yep. though <laughs> they blew it the whole time it was out, right? You know, and people making bold claims at major sites like, oh, I mean, yeah, I really loved it and gave it a 10 when it came out, but that was the offline, uncomplete pre-release mode that nobody other than video games journalists played. This version that the whole world is playing and will play, you know, if they get the game for Christmas. Oh, what a piece of shit that is. And I, I just hate that Games Press does that sometimes yeah. to certain games, and I feel like Resident Evil Zero is very much one of those games. I was lukewarm on that game the day it came out, and I've always felt that way. So I feel if I'm nothing else, I'm consistent. The fact this, that this yeah. game garnered heavy, uh, like lower to mid eights and Bs, shocks me with how mean people are to it now. The um, the game was rated quite badly in the UK, I was going to say, because I remember the magazines really? not being too kind to this game. Well, in America, we're incapable of knowing anything about UK publications because the web I mean. doesn't exist. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but... Um, a lot of the criticism I remember, because I remember reading a lot of reviews, and I, I completely just ignored them because I was going to get the game anyway, but um, was that they were kind of done with this style of gameplay, um, which was the tank controls. Because this was, I'd, I'd probably think this is the last Resident Evil we had that had this control scheme. Um, then Because 4 changed it. That's when it was all the over-the-shoulder stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So, and that's what a lot of the criticism was, that people were kind of done with that. And um, the, the, it's like I said to you earlier, a lot of people criticize this game, Fred, as being too easy, which is, I know that sounds surprising to hear, but that's one of the reviews I remember reading. Because <laughs> they're compared yeah, to the original. Could, yeah. The, the remake, anyway. <laughs> yeah, and I do think... Um, uh, I do think... Sorry, I'm making jokes about Activision parties in the chat. Um, I do think that... Uh, um, that the fact that it came out so close to remake really hurt it. Mm. Um, if nothing else, because it's fighting a nostalgia bomb, right? And it was such a big deal with some of the changes they made with remake. You don't stand a chance as being the new idea, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, but in a different world, zero and one came out nearly next to each other, right? I think if if Capcom could have. Um, the year that they had between Resident Evil 1 and 2. Remember how in 97, 2 was supposed to come out and it didn't make it? If they had Resident Evil 0 ready to go in the cut and we saw a release of that with the same con- you know, concept, basically, it'd probably be the same core game. You know, Wonder what we'd be saying about it now, right? <laughs> mm. Imagine if that came out in between 1 and 2, right? Uh, it'd be pretty interesting. Wouldn't have nearly the same style, you know, or, or a lot of the distinction with enemies. I think we would see mostly zombies in it, but it would be a different game. Anyway, um, sold 1.25 million copies. To give a comparison, uh, 1.35 million copies of Remake sold and 1.6 million of Resident Evil 4 sold. So those are the two games on either side. I should point out the 1.6 million for Resident Evil 4 is GameCube sales only. Yeah. So... That's to mention that. Uh, the Wii port was criticized because it did not add in the motion controls of Resident Evil 4 slash remake and only had GameCube controller support. Um, I don't Why know would you want motion controls about that? I was going to say, yeah. Again, this just tells you how, like, that was just the gamescape at the time, right? 
Because now all we can say is, God, I hope they remove the, you know, fucking Twilight Princess HD. Am I right? Like, get rid of those motion controls. But back then it was like, hey, why don't you have motion controls? And to their credit, a lot of people back then talked very positively about Resident Evil Remake and 4's motion controls on the Wii. I never really cared for them. Well, the only thing I can see that might have uh, kept them from doing the motion controls for Zero was there wasn't, I didn't, I don't see how they could have mapped the C stick. Because if Mm -hmm. you're supposed to be able to control the second character with the C stick, I don't see how that would work with the Wiimote. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. So that Um, might be why they left them out entirely. Yeah, I I think it it just, well, and this, this, you know, this kind of, much like we'll see with Silent Hill Origins, I think the port is just a quick and dirty port. It was just a Me Too thing. They wanted to make sure it came across, um, and they didn't even think about remapping the controls, uh, which is fair. Resident Evil Zero, even back when it was remade in 08, was not, you know, again, very well regarded. This It did come out to, uh, you know, the overall scene. I, I'm not alone in my my disdain for it. I just don't know if I'm justified. You know what I mean? So, anyway. But, of course, no one's going to answer that here because you fuckers like it. So, (laughs) (laughs) just kidding. (laughs) Well, I mean, just kidding about the fuckers thing. It's fine. Yeah, I'm going to tell you, much like all games press, I'm going to tell you what uh, what to like and what not to like. Anyway, um, all right. Let's switch gears a little bit and get into, right, thankfully, the better of the two prequels, right? (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I would say it's tangential. It's tangential. I don't know if I would say it's better or worse. But anyway, uh, and I say that having not completed it. And anyway, (laughs) let's move over to Silent Hill Origins. Uh, Voss, if you don't mind, I'm going to have you kick off the development information and we'll do the round robin again. Uh, Silent Hill Origins was known as Silent Hill Zero in Japan and was the first game not developed by Team Silence and instead handed over to Climax Studios. Many fans consider it an unauthorized prequel due to Team Silent having no hand in it, although Team Silent wouldn't work on another game to this point due to the team disbanding after The Room. Uh, I'll continue on, um, and I'm going to kind of hybrid these two. It's the fifth game in the series, right? And I didn't even know that until Voss pointed that out to me. Mm-hmm. I apologize. I, for some reason, tend to lump the two Climax Studio games together. Yeah. Um, and that was uh, wrong, <laughs> flat out. <laughs> Very wrong. So anyway, uh, Climax Los Santos in the U.S. originally got the game development contract. It was to be a PSP game from the ground up and went very action heavy with an over-the-shoulder camera. Um, it was announced at E3 2006 with a holiday 2006 release date. And many believe the title's tone and gameplay were a direct response to Resident Evil 4. Mm-hmm. Um, real quick, I just want people to know that this had somewhat of a dark comedic feel to it. Okay. Did you know that? Like, did you know that they, the original, the original tone of this was supposed to be like a dark comedy? Like that was the original idea. It'll change. We'll talk about that in a sec. But Mm -hmm. quite funny is this. I don't know if it's in. I might be skipping ahead here, but this was supposed to be a reimagining of the original Silent Hill to start with in development. Um, oh, that may be in some of the quotes. I didn't. I didn't know that for sure. I know that one of the climax games was intended to kind of uh, take after the movie and intended to kind of more follow that storyline with Rose as the protagonist. But I don't remember which one it was. Hmm. Uh, I'm trying to. Oh, remember. that would probably. I, I would say. assume that would have been Shattered Memories, though. Mm. 
I don't remember, Jim. What was the one? It was only in Europe. There was a box set that came with the movie. It was like a co-branded thing. Yeah, there's a, there was a box set that, that it was in actually the UK came with, only. It, yeah. it came with um, Origins on, on UMD of all things. <laughs> UMD Origin. Okay, Origins. yeah. So you know what, Voss? Even though it didn't have the same protagonist, I yeah, there 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 might have been this one. Mm. Um, and obviously it changed in tone and scope, but I bet the merchandising deal was already in place, well, so they had to continue forward with it. One thing I can speak to, it's not the same studio, but the the, stu- the developers that made Silent Hill Homecoming were inspired by the CGI used in the film to create the sort of the trend, you know, the, 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 the phasing into the different worlds, basically, because they said that okay. on their development sort of notes. We'll get into it that episode, yeah, it, but they took a lot from that movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which Origins I believe, is a bit different, yeah. just in case people are wondering, that will be our next episode, right? It'll be the Homecoming RE4. Or I would think thing. Shattered Memory. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, well, Homecoming came out next, but uh, all right, fair enough. Um, anyway, uh, many believe this title's tone and gameplay were a direct response to Resident Evil 4. Uh, this is odd because Team Silent never seemed to care much what Resident Evil was mm. doing. Do you find that true? That was actually my own theory. Well, I, I kind of disagree because okay. the original Silent Hill was actually Konami. Konami wanted a Western-style survival horror game to compete with games like Resident Evil, but obviously... Well, from a publisher standpoint, yeah. sure, but I don't know that the developers really yeah, cared developers what Resident never, Evil was doing when Yeah, Team Silent was always on record that they always wanted to make the game they wanted to make. In fact, just to keep this quite short, because I know it's completely separate from Origins, is that originally Silent, Konami wanted Silent Hill to be a very different game, from, but they kind of lost faith in the projects and they just let Silent Hill just get on with whatever the hell they wanted and that's why we got Silent Hill the way it is so, so <laughs> it, it turned out for the better because it was originally supposed to be more action heavy mm-hmm. but, um, but that, that's, that, that's that though but well yeah and GM actually why don't you pick up yeah, yeah. this but yeah, moving on, keep going point with Origins, of course. <laughs> Eventually, mm. in the fall of 2006, the development was pulled from Climax Los Santos uh, due to, uh, no, I said, sorry, um, due, to, due to the engine having major tech problems um, and, the, and the story being in shambles and obviously the overall tone of the development team not being consistent with the goals of the producers and project managers. Um, do you want to carry on? Um, actually, uh, no, this would be Voss. Uh Climax Studios in Great Britain received a mess of a game. According to <laughs> Sam Barlow, new director of the title, in an interview, it was bizarre. It was supposed to be a dark comedy, and at some point someone said Scrubs was the inspiration. <laughs> we pushed back and said, look, if this goes out, it's going to be a disaster. There's a hardcore fan base of Silent Hill players. Uh, you can change everything, but you've got to do it in the same time and budget. <laughs> Yeah, that was Konami's response. Doesn't that sound like Konami? Yeah. Like, I know we're really hard on Konami right now, but even back then, they're like, uh, you know what? Cost us the same amount of money. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, to build upon that, in another interview, he stated, unfortunately, there were some problems there, and the game they were making was not in the best of shape. So this is going back to Los Santos' development team. God, I bet this caused some internal conflicts. Yeah. <laughs> We hadn't done anything to deserve to work on Silent Hill, but we worked very well as a team and had strong skill sets and, well, we were available. Well, I guess that's kind of humbling to what his team was before this game. Um, at the point, there wasn't a huge amount of time to get the game done, but we insisted that we needed a re- to redo a lot of the game in order to make it something that wouldn't embarrass the franchise. The game we shipped wasn't perfect, and I'd personally question even the idea of a prequel to Silent Hill, but it was much, much better than what it might have been. Shots fired! 
Anyway. <laughs> well, I saw the uh, demo footage of it, and yeah, I don't yeah. like that direction. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I do think this is this probably turned out a lot better than it would have. Yeah, a demo did leak on the internet, and now that PSP is very hackable, you can play the over-the-shoulder game, which, wow, boy, is it annoying when you're looking up Origins YouTube videos to keep seeing people go, this should have been an over-the-shoulder game. The best <laughs> thing that could have happened to Silent Hill is if it became like Resident Evil. What the fuck? Anyway, no, it's on PSP. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know, my And God. I defend that console more than anybody. So. I know. Anyway, uh, Jam. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> um, so Barlow would have to rewrite the game from scratch, reinvent the creatures and scenarios, and make it more cohesive with the franchise. Um, Origins apparently has a few scrutinized reactions, as well as notable retcons. That's sorry. retcons. Sorry, I'm <laughs> oh, sorry. Retcons, as well as notable changes to the canon. Not much information was released as to what exactly went on to the year that Climax Britain worked on the game between the fall of 2006 and the game's eventual release in November of 2007. Literally, this is a year of game development. They were, must have worked crazy. They, crank, they rebuilt and cranked that game out in a year. Which yes. is, that's really impressive. They really. got it in August 2006 and it came out in November 2007. And in order to get certed and go gold and everything, they must have had it done by probably September or October. Mm. So... Um, anybody want to talk about the retcons? I've got the list here if you guys are interested, but oh, God. I mean, you think it... when I looked at the list of retcons, I honestly didn't see anything that noteworthy. There really aren't. Um, I mean, it's a minor details about Alyssa. Yeah, I, I, it's not a massive, massive retcons. It's just, a I mean, few I hate to say it, details. It sounds like the retcons that people who are perhaps a little too into silent hill might flip out about because <laughs> honestly until i read the list i didn't notice them well there you go and <laughs> and again i think you would so well I'm granted a lot of those and a lot of that information is from the uh novels and the uh all the extra source material outside of the actual games that's yeah. where they're finding the inconsistencies um <laughs> yeah so so yeah i don't know i i think and and i you know full disclosure didn't finish the game but do know the plot i did read ahead and got the plot spoilers and whatnot although i think i'll finish the game i've been playing it on psp and it's fun to play on my lunch break and i'm i'm i don't know what halfway point maybe a little before that um i think it might just finish it just because um but uh, but I, I felt that you know there it's not a stretch for a Silent Hill game. No, I think they took it in a decent direction. I I don't particularly care for the uh, breakable weapon mechanic, but oh, for does? the most part, who I don't. Does? I I think well, yeah, I don't like the breakable weapons, and I think they tried to get a little too quote unquote edgy with the plot. But otherwise, <laughs> I don't really see much issue with it. <laughs> Jam, what do you think? Of what the plot? Of the game overall. Of the game, game overall, I, most notably the plot. I mean, it's it's. I think the game's okay. Um, I'm I'm kind of like I'm. St I still feel kind of on the fence about the game. I don't I don't think it's bad though. I definitely don't. I because especially um with what the developers worked with over a short space of time. Um, 
There's a few, yeah, I mean, the whole... It's a shame about the, the breakable weapon thing, because it's not just a breakable weapon thing, but Travis kind of has a bottomless pit of um, space for the weapons. Dude, have yeah. you seen that fucking jacket? Marty McFly had one, too. <laughs> I mean, they, they hold everything. Yeah, yeah, you can hold, like, several TVs, medical staff. What's wrong with holding 17 TVs in a jacket? Explain this to me. <laughs> well, Bums in New York do it all the time. <laughs> but it, it's it just it's not the fact that it's, I don't have a problem with the whole inventory because it kind of made sense with the limitations of the PSP, but it's more the fact that because Charis can have, obviously, firearms and stuff, so he has weapons like in the other Silent Hill games. So it just felt kind of pointless, really, to have, um, you know, because I, I mean, when I, when I finished this game, I still had multiple you know melee weapons i just never used you had I, to because <laughs> if one breaks in combat you're just bitch slapping the creature you're I mean, just like oh you god you can't attack with your fists though. That's say, you new your it you switches can... <laughs> you to your fists but how effective is that maybe i haven't been playing it's not long that enough. bad actually <laughs> really okay it's okay I it's a little bit faster than a lot of the melee weapons so the enemy can't get in a hit on you oh i just assumed they everybody was like really squishy so i was like oh i gotta fish out another one and then they're just like pawing at me <laughs> i feel like i'm uh lance ba oh that's a bad example i feel like i'm a uh i don't know boy bands right now so i feel like i'm a teen idol at like a a concert where they're just pawing all over me while i'm trying to excuse me while i pull this golf club out of my jacket um but, uh, <laughs> anyway all right well i don't know if you guys want to let's let's jump into the big complained change which is of course um, the the breakable weapons uh, that uh, that are quite breakable. I don't know. I feel at least early into the game that certain melee weapons break very fast. Yeah, uh, breaking one hit. <laughs> you have like a microwave or something. <laughs> yeah, the microwave and the toaster and the television those all break as soon as you hit somebody. It's it's supposed to be just a massive amount of damage in a one-shot item that's, right i've seen good. friday the 13th part four i understand <laughs> the one use of that item you know like Absolutely. that one made sense but like you <laughs> i don't know you get something you just think would have some strength to it go back to the aforementioned golf club it broke in like what five hits yeah <laughs> like Pretty jesus great. and and again and this is not unique but what game ever benefited from decaying weapons like what crickets, game were crickets, you like crickets <laughs> yeah what game were you like thank god they put that mechanic in there lest the game would have been far too enjoyable <laughs> so i don't know i i i think they were trying to find a way to up the ante because the room made melee weapons seem so easy you know and so it was so easy to go melee but i don't know i don't think it was a step in the right direction you know, did did things deteriorate in the other Silent Hill games? No, this is the only one. Okay, I thought so. Yeah. Yeah. And I never felt like I was wanting for that. So, anyway. The plus side is you you are literally tripping over items that you can carry in your coat. So, you know, I mean, it's not like they didn't give you a thousand things. Um, it's like picking up weapons in a, in a you know... Um, insomnia game you know they're just <laughs> everywhere um but uh so yeah that was definitely a change um i don't know the, the other major change was the you could phase between the the, the alternate worlds at uh, will yes. at will yes. through the mirrors yeah right because previously you would just get forced yeah. into this by the game exactly yeah 
presumably the town. Actually, uh, the, again, not a unique thought. Uh, read on a blog, uh, Silent Hill blog, but I'm sure this is a, a non-unique thought. Was that before this? You know that, and I, I I see this, but I didn't come up with it on my own. Was that the town itself was kind of your enemy, right? Your foe, your presence. Once you got the power to switch between the worlds yourself, it kind of took away the town itself being the presence and more the things in the town being your foe. So then it was more like a nameless foe, whereas at least the town was your foe in the previous games. Hmm. So um, what do you guys think to that? Like, do you think that took away from it? I don't know. Well, I mean, he it did... In one of the notes, his uh, mother did claim that she also would go into the other world through the mirror. So it's kind of debatable because I would just, I would have just assumed it had something to do with Alessa's presence, but that was many many years before Alessa was even born. I'm sure, so I it must have been just a part of the town. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I don't know, or maybe maybe only what is the trucker's name? I keep Travis. Travis. <laughs> maybe it was just Travis's family who could do it. Um. Well, and we're, while we're on this subject, I never did figure out, like, I figure out why Travis is in Silent Hill, but what's what's his reasoning? Is he just passing he's through? He's just passing through. Yeah, he was like, driving through, and he almost hit Alessa, and then he kind of went on this big, grand adventure trying to find her to see if she's okay. And then she, you know, he cares used too him much. as a minion. He cares too much. He's the most sympathetic <laughs> trucker I've ever met. I was going to say, like, I'm not saying bad things about trucker. My father-in-law wants to be a trucker, and he would have been a great trucker. But once you get about three or 400 feet into the woods, he's going to go back to his rig and just keep going. <laughs> I mean, you don't find the body, then, you know, I'm sure she's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I always was wondering, like, what was his big draw, right? Because it's been pretty grandiose, the reasons why everybody else in these games yeah. has been in Silent Hill. Or not even Silent Hill with the room, but, like, has been involved in this, right? They all have, like, this really close connection due to some circumstance. And they're just um, kind of dragged in. He's just a bystander that got dragged in. Yeah, yeah, like, just a shitty route, man. His, his only well, motivation, according to the plot here, is that it was a shortcut. <laughs> that was it. You know yeah, what? he was Actually, going to Brahms, and he went through yeah. Silent Hill. Why not? <laughs> Actually, as somebody who ended up getting lost in the backwater hills of Tennessee, uh, trying to find a shortcut to uh, to Florida, um, I get okay. that. I get that. It actually was it was it ended up being a shortcut, and it was a beautiful shortcut. So there you go. Didn't quite work out like the Silent Hill, though. But you know, <laughs> not that you're complaining. Nah, not at all. Um, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I, but I, I feel like the storytelling, or at least the way the plot's progressing, the game itself, it feels a little more compact. But it's a PSP game from the ground up, so that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, the game's only about a gig, I think. I so maybe not that, even. So. Maybe not even. Maybe it's mm. only. I'm trying to remember because I downloaded it. It was it's on uh, PS. You got a PS2 port as well. Yes. Yeah, but I was told not to play that. Version. Yeah, don't play that one. Uh, <laughs> I, I, by, that's by actually Jim. the version I played most. And oh, I, really? It's Sorry. fine. Ooh, I don't know. Can we delve into that right now? You want to talk this out? I'm, I played. I briefly played the PSP version because I had it on sale a couple of months ago, but uh-huh. I played like maybe the first hour, and it seemed the same other than the graphics weren't quite as good as the PS2. I honestly didn't notice much difference. Yeah, which is funny. Yeah, I, I remember hearing that the graphics aren't as good, which blows my mind. Uh, 
the um, well, from the PS2 version has the limitations of the P. They don't, they don't really make the most of the PS2 console. They have the limitations. They don't do of the anything PSP to it. Version. It seems yeah. like a direct port of the PSP down to resolution, and they just blow yeah. it up. Uh, which is probably why people complain about the graphics. But yes, like the... Lack of draw distance. You don't have a camera. You don't have draw distance. You don't have anything extra. It is flat out the game ported over. Um, But back to to what you were saying, Voss, like especially on an SDTV, I just don't think it would matter much. I think that that might be more of a hindsight thing from YouTubers, frankly. Mm. I don't know. I could be wrong, but I don't know fucking psp didn't have the strongest resolution trust me i got the component cables for that thing you put that on a tv oh my god um but uh <laughs> but uh anyway back to back to the game i don't know i felt that the the mood and tone though still there um kind of has about the scope of you know the original game mm-hmm. you know what i mean in terms of like length and and how long it takes you to get to certain areas and stuff yeah um, I mean, I, I think know. they took a lot. They they were pretty faithful to a lot of it, and I think they maybe tried to latch on to the ooh, our main character has a deep dark past on top of he's trying to help Alessa. But I I, I mean, I think it works pretty much. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, like I'm playing through it, and I guess what I would say is I expected to you know having thanks to this series played all the Team Silent games now. Mm-hmm. I guess I expected to get into Silent Hill Origins and be like, whoa, this doesn't feel very normal. This doesn't feel very good. You know, and a lot of people have compared it to being like the fan remake of a Silent Hill. Like if fans were to make the fifth game, I don't think it's that. But, well, and maybe I'm not giving a lot of credit to fans, so I apologize for that. But I always think of a fan creation as something that may not quite have the care or love or like they try, but they just don't quite have it. You know, lots of people have said that about the Chrono Trigger SNES, like homebrew remake and stuff. Mm-hmm. Where like they have good intentions and they're pure, but they just can't quite make the scenarios like those talented game designers can. And I, that's what I think of when I hear like this looks like it could be fan made. I, I think Barlow and his team captured the, the aesthetic and minutia of Silent Hill pretty well. You know, yeah. and and with combat being my biggest complaint about the game, well, surprise, surprise, my combat's been my biggest complaint about every Silent <laughs> Hill game. So, you know, this isn't really much of a change. I think this was a particularly poor decision with the degradation of weapons, but I've tolerated the other ones. I can tolerate this one. Um, again, I think my biggest problem is I don't see my draw to move forward. I want to know everyone's story, and in this one, I definitely don't. Um, well, because the characters they bring in are the exact same characters that are in the next game, and so you kind of know what happens to them. Exactly. I think that's the other thing, right? You have no fucking clue what's going to happen conceivably at the end of any of these Silent Hill games until now. And this one, we obviously know where this is going, especially when he's chasing after Alessa. It's like, oh, okay. I guess he, I he's going to go stop the ritual. That's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it stopped. Yeah. The only thing yeah. you're inter- invest- you might be invested in is just no holy what, shit what happens what happened to <laughs> travis yeah and and uh, <laughs> i don't know uh, we've we've probably got another eh, probably 10 15 minutes with this topic um so i i definitely don't want to under or over exude it 
But I do want to talk about the endings, but is now, should we talk about them now or should we talk about some other things? Are there other ideas? The, Since I haven't played the game too much, I, I, I really want to delve into other stuff. I kind of want to go into his childhood before we get into the endings, but sure. other than that, I'm not. <laughs> All right, just, let's, let's do that. And then Jam will open you up if you want to talk about anything else before sure. we go into endings. Uh, so let's talk about Travis's childhood. Uh, well, his uh, mother was convinced that he was possessed by the devil or something and kept trying to kill him she was institutionalized and even after <laughs> even after uh you know she was like oh i'm better now she tries to kill him again parents man so he became a trucker <laughs> i remember the first time i tried to uh declare my daughter satan and go after her yeah they people make such a big deal out of it um that was a joke sorry might be a bad taste <laughs> oh anyway um well, I do like that though, because it's like the it's one of the only things I feel that, and I don't I'm trying to remember how much I know about this, but his mom issues <laughs> do become apparent pretty quick. It gives him a backstory, and that's really all Travis has, right? <laughs> yeah, because he doesn't have a whole lot of a personality. <laughs> It's no, just... he's a trucker, right? What trucker does? I, oh, I say oh, that awesome. joking because I know we have truckers who listen. So trust me, boys. I love you. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I actually think that Travis is a poor representation of most truckers I know. Because they tend to have a pretty fucking awesome set of stories. <laughs> Travis has none other than Silent Hill. And his mom issues. Well, uh, and the uh, murdering spree. Murderings. I love it. Yeah. He is Have a I serial killer. Have I this well. part? Okay, wait, wait. Do I know this yet in the plot? It it's uh, alluded to, but unless you get okay. the bad ending, it doesn't really kind of a. Uh... Okay, and to be clear, I have not read the endings. I know there are three, and I know one's the UFO ending, so we'll get to those in a sec. But I have not read them yet. But I was hoping to get spoiled on the show for this. So just I mean, there's a reason clear. that the butcher shows up. Other than okay. just to be a pyramid okay. knockoff. Okay. <laughs> yes, and I don't like the butcher as a pyramid head knockoff. Do you think it would have well, been more effective with pyramid head? No, I, no I think because pyramid head is is like one on one with James. It doesn't work with anybody else. Mm. And yeah. they're trying to make lightning strike twice, and it's not going to happen. Okay. <laughs> the the butcher was the only the only enemy that was salvaged from the original version of the game as well. They actually really liked the character, so. Mm. That's why he's he taking. actually got additional work that same year in Condemned. It's funny you mentioned. <laughs> yeah, um, no, you're right. <laughs> with the cleaver. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, okay, I get that. I I mean, I guess I can see where that came in. But yeah, I didn't realize that Travis was a serial killer. So that's interesting. Because they right? had that when you're in the uh, hotel, you're looking through and finding pictures of murdered women. Yes. And it's and it, oh, that's end, me. It, it shows it alludes in the bad ending that he kills. Maybe. Okay, <laughs> I do remember that because the the hotels, you know, I've already been there. But okay, okay. And obviously, the butcher would be a manifestation of his inner demons, much like Pyramid Head was with James. Mm. Right. Except the Pyramid Head's real, right? No. Nope. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Trust me, I digested at least that much from SH two. Um, but uh, but yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess maybe there is more to Travis than I've given him credit for. I look forward to hearing about his exploits as I continue further into the game. 
Um, and then we can get into his father issues as well. <laughs> okay, well, let's go into his father issues. So what's the deal with his father? Uh, after his mother gets institutionalized, his father realizes, you're really gone. I'm never going to be able to see the woman that I loved again. He mm-hmm. has a breakdown and commits suicide. Well, okay. Travis, not going after a little Travis. old plucky, like 10-year-old boy, walks into the hotel room with his dead father, stays there for like eight hours before somebody finds him. Catatonic, so, yeah. It, yeah. Completely unfettered. Let's throw him into the coal mines. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a... Uh, and, you know, and every time that he's going back to these places, he, he... Like, when he goes into the mental institution, he goes into the room where his mother was, and he has to fight a memory of her. When he goes back into the room where his father was... Where his father committed suicide, you know, he has little flashbacks and... You know, the just face distorts and it's like, you knew I wasn't sleeping, son. Why didn't you leave? And it's just, I feel like they're trying to make it too dark. It, it's not really organic. Okay, so they're trying too hard, which I think Barlow kind of cops to in those interviews, you know, um, to a certain extent. You know, I mean, you got to give the guy credit. He goes, well, I did the best I could with the you know trash heap that I received. Plus, I don't really think this game needed to be made at all. But <laughs> but we hadn't proven ourselves and we were out of work. So we figured we'd do something. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I guess I would say knowing the sordid tale of development, I'm, I'm relatively impressed with the product that came out of it. I don't oh, know. Yeah. I mean, all right, let's talk about the endings. And then I have a question for you guys. But um mm-hmm. So there's a good ending, a bad ending, and a UFO ending. Am I correct? Those are the yep. three? Yes. Uh, do you know the... Excuse me. Do you know the uh, requirements to each? Uh, uh, yes. Good ending. Uh, the good ending, it. you get... Uh, <laughs> it's just the mandatory it's ending that you get your first time through. Okay. Uh, the bad ending, you have to have completed the game once, and if you kill more than 200 enemies during the game, then you get the bad ending. I think it's just uh-huh. 100. Yeah, maybe okay. it's just 100. Maybe it is. Yeah. You have to kill is a large number. Is that easier or hard to do? <laughs> it's quite tricky, this one. and You have to really work for it. Well, oh, not. Yeah. <laughs> well, in the New Game Plus, they give you weapons, oh, yeah. Yeah. and those are one-kill, one-hit kill weapons. Right, but don't... you gotta you got to really focus on killing enemies. Yeah. Okay. And then UFO ending? Uh, you find a key at one point that you use on a door at the hotel, a spaceship comes down with the dog from uh, Silent Hill 2 and the alien. Mm-hmm. And Travis is like, have you seen my truck? Hey, do you want to fly our spaceship? Sure. Can you drive stick? And they go up into the spaceship and fly off. That's, that's fantastic. I'm still happy. That's <laughs> and it's all in cartoony there. graphics. Yes. <laughs> what do you guys think? Do you like that? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I felt like it needed a little bit more to it, but I do, okay. I do enjoy it. Have you seen my truck? Can you drive stick? Are you kidding me? That's a fucking bar joke. <laughs> um, anyway, all right. So, what's the good ending? Let's, uh, or is it not worth delving into aside from just being a spoiler? It's the, basically, he basically just drives back off. He just leaves. <laughs> it basically shows Alessa holding Cheryl, and they drive yeah. off, and then okay. Travis leaves town. So he just causes the he he basically interrupts the ritual. Yeah. Okay. Which we already yeah we know from one. Um. So what's the bad ending? has him uh chained down to a table he's kind of hallucinating uh remembering thoughts of uh 
where he's going up to a woman. She's like, I'm not your mother. Wait, what are you doing? Ah, kind of implying that he's killing her. The butcher appears. I think he turns into the butcher at one point during the ending. Nice. So it's it's basically just cementing that he's a murderer. <laughs> right. Um, and uh, all right. Well, so... So getting back to it, here's my question. Um, what do you think of this in the grand scheme of 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 the resident or president? Sorry, Silent Hill <laughs> um, franchise. Where do you think? I mean, what do you think about it contextually? Uh, first of all, as the first game. Um, after Team Silent goes, and like I, I, I get really frustrated when I read from people who say, you know, I really wish Team Silent would have continued to be on this. Yeah, but they weren't, and it was of their own accord. It wasn't like it was taken from them. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, so I don't like that answer. And and Voss, you've never said that, so like I'm not saying that that's your answer, but like given given the fact that this was the first trade off, like what do you think of this as the first game that? that is handled by a new team. I I think they tried to match the style as best they could while still making some innovations of their own, which in itself isn't a bad thing. It's how you keep a series from getting stale. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, while I don't necessarily agree with all the changes, I do think that this being kind of the first foray as a Western developer into the franchise, that they kind that they did a very good job, honestly. Okay. Jam, you agree, disagree? Yeah, I, I kind of agree with all those points that Voss just said. Um, one thing, I, just, well, I don't know if you mentioned this yet, but because we, you keep talk, we talked about that Steam Time was involved in this. Well, the one person that was still involved was Akira Yamanoka. Yamoka, I can't say his name. The, yeah. the music guy. So, but, um, because he did compose the music for this game, which is actually one of my favorite parts of this game actually i know it seems kind of cheap to say but the score is really good the opening part of this game is literally just score when you're walking through mm -hmm. like towards, yeah that's uh, true um, and mary elizabeth mclynn does come back as well yeah so. well and you got to know that like the music doesn't count as part of the development team because yeah. he really doesn't need to be it's not the politics of that right he's just yeah. a contractor it's like if you were sitting at home jam and i said you know, you're a blacksmith, and I just walked over to you and said, <laughs> hey, I'm about to go run off into the woods and kill a dragon. Remember those axes you've made for me before? Can you make me another one? And you're like, sure. Like, yeah, technically you are part of that adventure, but you're not a key player, right? And I, yeah, I know yeah, people hate that, but you're right. Like, the, the feel, that eerie feel, especially when you're entering into the town, and it's just, it, it does hold that cohesive part together. So while the score is super important... I get why people don't consider it part of the develop the original development team. You know what I mean? Well, and he does go into production for the series and later at earlier and later points in the series. Okay, so he's behind some of the shit games too, right? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> yep. yeah. Just wanted to clear that up. Um, here's the snarky question. He's also behind the movies. Oh, he yes. produced the movies. Fantastic. <laughs> He paid for it. Um, so here's the question. Here's the snarky question. Is it a Silent Hill game? Yep. Awesome. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> I mean, that's the question. I. You know what? It's weird. Like, I, I was never too... I've said this. I'm not too keen on Silent Hill games. Two, sure, but two is its own thing. I don't know. I still don't think I'm out of line by saying... Si 
Silent Hill 2 transcends an interest in the franchise. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, that was lightning in a bottle. Yeah. Uh, but um, but I'm, I, I, I want to I play through this game. I, I want to stick with it. And I am 20 hours into Persona 4. I have a reason to play <laughs> other things portably, I will tell you right now. And while I don't think Silent Hill Origins is a better game than Persona 4 with my limited time with it, I am compelled to complete it, regardless it, of knowing the plot. Mm. It won't take you that much longer. I think you're very close to the end. Well, there's anyway. that, I mean, and that helps. If you're into the hotel, then you're already near the end. Yeah. Well, I, I am just getting into the hotel, yeah. So, <laughs> um, and again, that's that's part of it, right? That that helps. That I've by the end of the week, I'll be done with it. Uh, at playing it on lunch breaks, <laughs> 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 but. Uh, but in addition, like, I am compelled to see the end of it. Silent Hill games aren't that long, and I actually don't think they benefit from getting long. In fact, Silent Hill 4 being so long, or much longer, it was a detriment to that game. You know, yeah. Maybe we'll talk about that in the future. But I do think their brevity is part of their strength. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, that's my two pieces I can throw in there. But um, All right. So let's talk a little bit about the release and reception. So real quick, uh, the PSP release was relatively liked by critics. That's counter to what I recall. But when I looked it up on game rankings, you wouldn't believe how many decent scores this game got. Uh, Many cited the visuals as consistent with Silent Hill and had a positive look on the game as a whole. Uh, It received upper 7s or 70s and lower 8s, 80s, and Bs. Wow. Wow. And I saw I saw some British publications there, Jam. Like it was no Edge magazine, but official PlayStation magazine was not too hard on it. Hmm. Yeah, I know, right? Um, here's an interesting factor, though. Let's talk about the sales for a second. <laughs> uh, sales were well, and this will just tell you the dire yeah. state of the PSP at the time. Sales were approximately 154,000 for PSP in the U.S prompting a PS2 port that got slammed by critics for poor graphics, even yep. compared to the PSP version. Yep. No camera control with the second stick and no mini-map. Nope. I didn't think about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, no additional content was also suggested as a quick and dirty port job. The PS2 port suffered even worse with a mere 80,000 in approximate U.S. sales. I wanted to put this in for context. At the time of release, 48 million U.S. PlayStation 2s existed. <laughs> And they that's, sold 80,000. Yes. <laughs> that's staggering. <laughs> um, as a whole, the game ranked a, a mere 234,000 domestic U.S. sales, PSP, PS2 combined, and an even sadder Japanese of a, uh, Japanese sales of approximately 41,000. That's both consoles. Hmm. And piracy wasn't huge in Japan on the PSP. PSP actually did pretty well in Japan. Um, I could not find exact sales for Europe, but it was in between 250,000 and 340,000. Those were the outliers. They gave this weird percentage thing. Like it, it had, it was a grid. It was like a bar graph jam. Mm. And you guys are usually pretty good about your sales numbers. Mm. Um, but it was a bar graph and the bar graph, that was the outliers. It said 250,000 to 340,000 and it fit in that realm, but it made it the region with the most sales. Mm. Um, yeah. So Europe was the biggest one, even at its well, weakest. Well, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But even at its weakest, Europe may have sold more copies than U.S. and Japan combined. There was um, 
because not only was it released in it was really well not only was it released with the combined pack with the film but it was also released in lots of combi packs with psps there was a, i think but i believe there was a psp i think there was a bundle with yeah. it now that you say that yes yeah, which helps because i see it on ebay sometimes when i look at weird psp bundles mm. i'm still looking for that rear for rear rare first <laughs> generation metal gear solid portable ops with the camouflage yeah not the peace walker one that everybody's got but the camouflage one mm-hmm. I'm still looking for that bundle um there's also a bundle with portal ops as well you can get this game with that oh really yeah <laughs> okay but it wasn't the camouflage psp was it? no no no, no it wasn't okay because that, no. that one sells for like a thousand bucks it's very rare it's japan only um but anyway it celebrated worldwide sales of about seven hundred thousand units is that more or less than you guys would have guessed uh that's less less yeah. than i would have okay. expected okay so. so that's weaker than you would have guessed um is that, that's combined your, with PS2 as well, is it? Yeah, that's yeah, PSP, that, yeah, PS2. Yeah, that is less than, yeah. Well, you ready for the more interesting numbers? The mm-hmm. approximate worldwide sales in comparison for Silent Hill for The Room was just over 750,000. So The Room on PS2, Xbox, and PC didn't do a whole lot better. Is that surprising? That is very surprising, yeah. Right? Yeah. You can kind of see why Team Silent may have disbanded themselves. I don't know. But anyway... Um, I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but that's that's surprisingly low sales for that series. I would never have guessed that. Um, and between eight hundred and fifty thousand and one million for Homecoming, and oh. that's three sixty <laughs> PS three and PC. We'll talk about Homecoming when it comes out, but you got to understand that PS three three sixty and PC when this when that game came out is part of it, right? Like the 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 consoles that it came out on is a large part of it. Another thing is. You know, people knew Origins was a portable game, you know, and there's just that stigma attached to it, whereas people will more in the blind before the game comes out, regardless of reviews, pick up those console games, you know, so I that doesn't surprise me too much. Um, but I don't know. You guys, does that surprise you more or less? I mean, frankly, when I picked it up, I didn't. I I picked up the PS2 version first, and actually I didn't get the PSP version until like a couple of months ago, but... If I hadn't, and really, I assumed they came out at the same time. I never really thought there would have been much of a difference between the two. So I, it didn't really. And the PSP port was probably less than a year later, I want to think. I yeah, it was a year later that. that the PS2 came out. Right. I remember buying it, like, on shelves. And so I remember those comparisons. But anyway. So, I mean, um, I didn't know there would have been. I, I didn't really see the portable stigma to it. Right. Honestly, at that point, I wasn't nearly as informed as I am now. <laughs> well, and again, like even look at Peace Walker. Peace Walker on, I've got a guest. <laughs> Sorry, guys. That's all right. Um, Peace Walker on PSP versus Peace Walker, even on Vita or more importantly on the HD collection, right? You know, I mean, there is a stigma that comes with portable games, like it or not, right? Yeah, People yeah. jump to conclusions. But anyway. All right. Anything you two want to say in closing with uh, with Resident Evil Zero or Silent Hill Origins slash Zero? The Origins is the best portable game we've discussed today. So. That's a good point. <laughs> Very good point. <laughs> it's probably the best um, portable game of the series, actually. Well, in terms of the of both Resident Evil and Silent Hill, actually. So there you go. Uh, yeah. Although, didn't Shattered Memories hit PSP? Oh, it did. Actually, okay, fair enough. Yeah. I will be playing through that before our, our Shattered Memories show, So, um, but I'll probably be playing the Wii port. But Yeah, I do the Wii port. That's the one I own, so <laughs> I, I may as well grab that one. Origins I always had because of many PSP sales, and then 
Yeah. And I think Origins Jam, I just looked it up, it's 780 megs on my PSP. So Yeah, yeah, yeah that sounds about right. Um, all right. Well, uh, so we're going to wrap up. You can find us at GamingHistory101.com. I've got some fun articles going live, but we're going to get some written stuff coming soon. Um, Voss, anything you want to announce, share, pimp? Uh, I can still, uh, even though I'm not on the show anymore, I can still pimp the Future Monkeys podcast. I uh, whoop, whoop. had an unboxing that went up on the site recently, and I've been working on a review to go up there on for Until Dawn. I'm not sure when that's going to go up, though. Nice. I need to do my Until Dawn review as well. Yeah, I need to <laughs> put that together now that I've played it three times. But yeah, definitely go to futuremonkeys.com and check out Voss's stuff. Uh, you've got some written stuff, and I, I really, uh, I remember you and I talking about your Evil Within review. I really dug that review, actually. Um, mm. So that, yeah, I feel like that was a lot of a bar, like a lot of backhanded compliments. <laughs> kind of, but there, there was, if, especially if you know you, there's a lot of charm to that. <laughs> so anyway. Um, all right. Well, uh, next week we're coming back. We are going to wrap up the Star Wars episode because The Force Awakens comes out next week. So that's why it's going to be a little Star Wars heavy themed on this. Um, <laughs> and watch for Gaming History X. Maybe if Jam and I can find the time, we will wrap that up this week as well as the Tomb Raider Tomb Game Raider. Club. Yep. <laughs> and get going on Jade Empire. Voss, your copy should arrive in the mail tomorrow or Thursday. So. Woo-hoo! Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we'll get going on that. Uh, in the meantime... This is Fred. Thank you, Voss, very much for joining us. Thank you, Jam. Thank you, Chatters. Thank you, All Games. And peace out.